0: Hey folks, this is episode number 44 of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, 4-4, four, four. I'm running a membership drive in the run-up to episode 50, which is Around the Corner. And as part of that drive, I want to ask you about tipping. I think tipping is a pretty American thing, but I think other countries do it too, and I think it's very common to say, thanks for being friendly to me, thanks for providing me this coffee, thank you for playing the guitar on the street, there, there's a million cases of doing it. If you're willing to become a backer of Sifpod, a supporter of the show, a part of this membership drive, the cost for that is 5 US dollars per month. And the thing about 5 US dollars per month is if you spread that out over, you know, a weekly show, that's about $1 per episode. And if you've heard the show, I I hope you know that these episodes are heavily researched, they are tightly edited. I am working full-time and around the clock to give you the kind of podcast you deserve to hear. And I hope you feel like that kind of podcast is worth tipping a dollar. Please head to sifpod.fun if you're willing and able to do that. And in the meantime, this new podcast episode has your name written on it. On the the little coffee cup sleeve, I guess. It's an okay metaphor. Enjoy. Pigeons. Known for being birds. Famous for being grayish. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why pigeons are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. Katie Golden is doing me a big ol' favor. She was on this podcast just three episodes ago to talk about vanilla. She's stepping right back into guesting because the two of us doing this topic can make you an episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating that is unlike any other. This is special for a couple reasons. First of all, you, the listeners, chose the topic. Great job. Great thinking. Thank you to Pat Dalton for suggesting it. Also, thank you to Keaton Ellis for seconding it in the thread. I love the support that I see in those democracy threads. It's really cool. And then if you're a fan of this show, you know Katie Golden. You know how awesome she is. I hope you also know she hosts the best podcast about animals. It's called Creature Feature. It's over on iHeartRadio. Please hurry up and hear it. Also, Katie Golden writes, I think, the funniest comedy from the perspective of a bird. It's her incredible at rights Twitter account that we will talk about. So I'm thrilled Katie came right back for, for a made-to-order episode. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Katie recorded this on the traditional land of the gabrielino tongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode, once again, it is about pigeons. Let's get into it. Please sit back or bob your head forward and backward as you walk. I'm into it. That's cool, man. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with the one and only Katie Golden. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Katie Golden, thank you so much for coming right on back for for maybe the Ideal Katie Golden episode of the show. Uh, I always you know, start by asking people their relationship or opinion to the topic, but uh, you have so many pigeons! for pigeons.
1: Pigeons! Pigeons! <laughs> yeah, I, I love all birds. Um, I always have. When I was a little kid, my mom said that I used to run around the backyard and my mom asked me what I was doing and I was like saying, trying to catch a bird uh and my mom wanted to know why and i said i think if it got to know me we would be friends cool so that's been my general attitude towards birds ever since like i think if they got to know me we would be friends um (laughs) love birds love every kind of bird even the weird ones like pigeons
0: (laughs) were there pigeons around where you grew up. I th- I think when I was a kid in the suburbs of Chicago, I just assumed they only lived in New York City.
1: Right. And then I
0: visited actual Chicago and saw a few, but I, I don't know if you had any there in uh, in Southern California.
1: Yeah, not not so much. There weren't really that many in San Diego. I remember when we went on a family trip to San Francisco, we there were a lot of pigeons and I was so excited. And I got some crackers and started feeding the pigeons. And before I knew it, I was covered in pigeons and I was not (laughs) expecting them because I was used to birds being very hesitant and very shy. And so I was like, well, this is fine. I'll offer them a cracker and, and lure them to be my friend. I didn't understand the psychology of pigeons, which is they're not shy at all and they will As soon as you offer them food, it's just kind of a conquest situation. So (laughs) before I knew it, like little like nine year old me was just covered in in pigeons, like scrabbling, trying to get at the get at the crackers. And I can't say I was scared, though. I think I was thrilled to be the center of so much pigeon attention.
0: They were like on your body. Like maybe there's more bread here.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I had my little crackers in my hands. and they were like, on my arms, on my hands, you know, wow. at my feet. You know, I, it was just amazing. And my mom was like, maybe don't do that. <laughs> 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 she wasn't super happy about it. Because to see your little, your little 9 you're like, look, Mom, and you're just like all these like, little street birds going like, Wah! Wah! <laughs> that's not the sound they make. But you know, to a mother, it's probably like in my in my mind. Here, I am a little Disney princess, like la 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 la, with all these beautiful okay. forest animals. And then, then through my mom's eyes, it's like her little daughter covered in like flying rats, like screeching and clawing at her. Yeah, so.
0: I hadn't even thought about that snow isn't it Snow White is the most famous one where a yes. bluebird just lands on her finger and and then yeah. sets unrealistic expectations for all children that birds will just right. alight upon you and, and bless you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I had always expected as a child and it never happened until I met the noble pigeon.
0: <laughs> I love that your mom has been skeptical of your quest to touch birds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: throughout your life she right well i wouldn't say that she's been she was charmed by it uh and like like would always get me like bird thing like bird toys as a kid like a little stuffed bird she got me a little a cute little like sculpture like mini statue of like a little girl holding a bird because she's oh. like see this is you and you're holding a bird so she's very encouraging oh, yeah. of it i think That's it famous. was just It was specifically me being covered in frantic pigeons that was maybe a little concerning for her because she's thinking, well, these, you know, pigeons are trying to claw the flesh from my daughter. Maybe that's not good. Uh, (laughs) But uh, no, and otherwise, she's been highly encouraging of my my, uh, bird bird friendships.
0: That's very sweet, actually. I I love that. I'm, now I'm wondering, I'm sure there's not a statistic for this. I'm wondering, like, in in human bird history, it, I feel like people have either had no birds land on them or a swarm, right? There's probably very <laughs> few situations where it's just one, like, snow white and really chill. Like, it's either, oh, none of them are doing anything right. or all of the buzzards. It's just all of the pigeons, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well it's it's interesting because yeah like when i was a little kid i was desperate desperate to like catch a bird so I could hold it. I would even do the Wile e. Coyote thing. I got a cardboard box and put a stick on it and I'll try to string to no the way. stick and put some bird seed really? under the box. Yeah, no, literally. This sounds like a <laughs> bit, but this is what this is what I did as a kid. And I, I set up the box and put the bird seed under the box and with a little stick and string. So you pull the string and the stick comes out from under the box and closes like wily e. Coyote because that's where I probably learned it from cartoons and it never worked. Uh, ever but I I still tried but as an adult what's so funny is that I have had many weird bird encounters as as an adult like as a child when I try really hard I of course never was able to find or catch a bird but now as an adult I've encountered multiple weird bird things (laughs) one time a dead quail slammed into my window and I was like, well, that's a bit strange. And I went outside and kind of just like, you know, looked at this dead, dead uh, quail. And I kind of thought that maybe it flown into the window so hard it it died. But then this hawk landed on the fence next to me and was just like staring at me and looking between me and the quail. And it's like suddenly all became clear that this quail belonged to the hawk. Like it, it had caught this, probably <laughs> dropped it on accident. And it slammed in my oh. window, and it just kept like looking between me and the quail, like, uh, You're not gonna eat that, are you? Cause uh, I, you know, I was gonna. And so I just slowly backed away, and the hawk was like looking at me, and was like, All right, cool. And then <laughs> grabbed the <laughs> quail and flew away. <laughs> and I've like right. encountered multiple fledglings and nestlings. Like, so fledglings are little birds that are about to be able to fly, but they usually wander away from their nest. Okay. And when I first found one, I was worried because I thought it was a nestling, like a baby bird that had fallen out of its nest and it needed help. But in fact, it was, they do fly away from their nests. They they are trying to like practice flying and stuff. So if you see a bird who's like, got its feathers it's li- it's like little maybe it's still got a little bit of downiness but its eyes are open it's got all of its feathers okay. seems like maybe it can't quite fly yet that's probably a fledgling and it's probably practicing flying and trying to figure things out so it's probably okay and you don't need to put it back in the nest mm-hmm. but if it's like eyes are closed and it's like not got that many feathers then you should I actually just found I'm sorry I keep telling bird stories But I just found a. um... You
0: have bird stories? What? I didn't anticipate that. (laughs) Oh, it's off the rails now. (laughs) I just found a
1: nest of. I believe these are. um, I believe these are Phoebes, and they. A Phoebe. A Phoebe, yeah. I think they're called uh, black-headed Phoebes. I mean. Cool.
0: I didn't know there's a bird called a Phoebe. That's that's new to me completely. Oh, just
1: just yeah, just black feet or either black-headed phoebe's or black phoebe's. Oh. And they uh, are in the parking like in my apartment's parking garage just in the rafters of an unused parking spot. And I mm. I, I have been just like kind of observing them for the past week or so cuz it's so it's just this little nest chock-full of baby birds. It's like they're just jammed in there uh <laughs> like there's one and then like a butt sticking out and a head and like a wing and there're too many i think for this nest and they're all crammed in there and then the other day I, I was checking in on them and one of them like had like partially fallen out and was like hanging on to the nest by its leg but kind of doing the splits so it's like one leg was clinging onto the nest and the other one leg was clinging onto the nest and the other was like dangling out and it uh wow. did not look very happy about it so i just very gently like nudged it back in the nest and the the mama bird was like mad at me and like like you know peeping at me cuz she was worried that i was like touching the nest but it's like i'm just pushing baby back into the nest um so i'll check on them again today make sure cuz it's amazing cuz their eyes are open now and they look like they're about ready to leave which i'm excited about <laughs>
0: I like. I'm imagining them. It's like when the seven dwarves are all sleeping in one bed, uh, but like a leg yeah. hangs out, and you just put it back in. Yeah. yeah. Really, a lot of Snow White touchstones here. Going great. Going. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> well, and uh, and of course, I I hope people know at Pro Bird your great Twitter account. Yeah. I I've sort of assumed that character is is a few different bird or burb species. We'll also link about Katie coining the word burb. But, uh, but I feel I feel like pigeons are maybe in the general vein of that personality, right? Like it's sort of that style.
1: Yeah, technically the bird, not a character, but a real bird who talks to me yeah, uh, of sorry. that uh, Twitter account sorry, is a European robin. Yeah. But I would say that the, the thoughts of the bird can definitely apply to many bird species. That is like an obsession with, uh crumbs and your food and <laughs> corn and yeah a lot of a lot of the thoughts on the pro bird rights uh, network channel worldwide uh, could be <laughs> applied to pigeons I think for sure.
0: I'm so thrilled to do uh, all this pigeon stuff with you and we can get into our first chunk of it because on every episode our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics and that's in a segment called Sweet stats on the sift pod, where the numbers are all true. Sweet stats on the SIF pod, drop some knowledge here for you. Wow, that
1: was beautiful.
0: Yeah, thank you. It was submitted by Alex Wade. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Leonard Skinnerd. We have a new name for this segment every week. Please make them as silly and wacky as possible. Submit to SipPod on Twitter or to SipPod at gmail.com. And the- Putting the
1: nerd back into Leonard Skinnerd.
0: <laughs> I have truly never thought of them that way. Really excited about it now. Uh... <laughs> Uh, The first number here is a big nerdy number, 400 million. Wow. And 400 million is the uh, approximate world population of pigeons. Nice. That's about how many there are.
1: So be nice to them. You know what I mean?
0: They have the numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, This is from National Geographic. They also say that apparently it's very hard to estimate the amount of pigeons just in New York City. So the estimates are anywhere from 1 million to 7 million. Which at that point you're just guessing, I think. Wow. But that's that's what they say about New York.
1: From one to seven million, that's that's a that's a large error bar.
0: Right. Yeah, like at at that point, what are we estimating? What are we doing? Right, uh, right.
1: <laughs> you could just say a lot, don't worry about it. There's a lot there.
0: <laughs> I think Yeah. <laughs> next number, and this was I did not know this. The next number is fifteen years. And that is the potential lifespan of a pigeon in captivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming from Bloomberg, and then also BBC News says that uh, one pigeon named Old Man in Wilshire County, England, <clears throat> lived past the age of twenty-two. So that's one of the longest lives of a pigeon recorded.
1: Wow, that yeah, that's like the Methuselah of, of pigeons. That, that's I, I like. Now did they they must have named it Old Man after it had reached a certain. Oh. like milestone because otherwise that like if you name a baby bird old man and I get it because baby birds do look like old men, but that would be more of a prophecy. Uh right. that this this bird was prophesized to become an old old bird. But that that's cool. Yeah, I imagine that in captivity, like with most animals, they live a lot longer than they do in the wild. Yeah. Although although pigeons are such good urban adapters, maybe they do live quite long in cities. I, I'm not sure.
0: The other number here, and it, it probably super varies across which place they are, but the Cornell Lab of Ornithology says that a wild pigeon lives an average of 2.4 years.
1: Right. So a lot yeah.
0: shorter than 15. But yeah. but also like I I feel like there's huge variance with that. Like if you're in a quiet part of the city, you probably live a lot longer.
1: I mean that's similar actually to fox lifespans. Like in the wild they oh. their average lifespan is only two years, three years, uh but in captivity they can live to be about fifteen years. Oh, similar wow. to a to a dog ish. A little shorter of, of a lifespan than a dog, I think.
0: Yeah. Nature is hard.
1: It is. Yep. Man, oh man. <laughs> I don't
0: wanna do that. Forgive it.
1: <laughs> Starting to like being in a city, aren't you? <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm gonna keep taping podcasts about air conditioning in air conditioning. That's what I'm gonna do. It's great. Just double it up, right? <laughs> Next number here is 120, and 120 is how many pigeons Charles Darwin donated to the British Natural History Museum okay, after he thank, did experiments on them.
1: Thank God! I, I hope that I, I thought you might say like that was how many pigeons Charles Darwin ate. Oh, he liked to eat a lot of weird stuff like he would discover an animal and then eat it. But no, that's good. Donated.
0: Yeah, but he I'm I'm sure he ate a few at least, but maybe maybe he ate less because they were not exotic because because you're right. He was a big weird meats guy, but he was like pigeons. Eh, I've seen that
1: weird meats guy. Yeah, he he liked those turtles.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's got a bowl on its back. How do I not? I'm Charles Darwin. (laughs) It's got a built-in bowl. Uh,
1: <laughs> For goodness sakes. It's like it's asking me to eat it. And it's so slow. <laughs> Easy to catch. Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. So these were these were like presumably stuffed taxidermied uh, birds that he uh donated to the museum.
0: Yeah, I think somewhere. It it turns out after he was in the Galapagos Islands studying finches. When he came back to England, he said one like follow-up experiment I should do is study pigeons, mm-hmm. and so he looked at differences between pigeons and bred pigeons, and and some of his pigeons came as gifts, some were ones he bred, but another step in writing on the origin of species was the study of pigeon differences, it was another like thing. Yeah, you could that's look really at. interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you can uh, pigeons do have. Especially when you selectively breed pigeons, they have very interesting different morphologies. So it's like, I think people think of pigeons as strictly the city pigeon, you know, pink feet, gray and green bodies, uh, little beady eyes, uh, a hunger, a hunger for bread, Um,
0: (laughs) piling on a a small girl. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Small girl attacking a small delighted girl, Uh, but like when you selectively breed, not only are there And I'm sure you're going to get into this, but not only are there different uh, species of uh, pigeon, but like when you selectively breed pigeons, you get all sorts of wonderful uh, different uh, morphologies of pigeon.
0: Yeah, I think I will not get much into like pigeon fancying or styles uh, because part of it's (laughs) visual. But but yeah, that's totally a thing. And and I'm glad you talked about it.
1: I came here for pigeon fanciers. (laughs) And you lied to me.
0: (laughs) I do, I wonder if when British people were developing pigeon fancying, they ever stopped and said, like, this sounds British even for us, right? Come on. This is, (laughs) even by British standards, pigeon fancying? Boy, oh boy.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm chuffed about this pigeon fancying, personally. I'm downright chuffed about my curly pigeon with the curly feathers. Um, Yeah, but I mean, I guess since we're not going to talk about it, just if people don't know, like, but there are a lot of pigeon breeders and they come up with like very strange pigeons, pigeons that have like curly feathers, literally look like poodle pigeons. There are pigeons with huge feet feathers, just like big feather dusters around their feet. They have pigeons that like are very tall and stand up and have like a big uh, kind of bulbous uh, (laughs) chest. Uh, Just all sorts of very strange strange breeds of pigeons so if you if you look do a google image search uh for weird pigeon breeds safe search on you'll find you'll find some cool stuff
0: oh yeah yeah safe for work like weird for work but (laughs) safe for work you're fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) right right and i got you know like some of i'm not necessarily condoning all types of like weird weird bird breeding like i think sometimes they don't take into account the comfort of the bird and that's oh, not yeah. good but but for other ones like with with the uh, curly poodle feathers i think it's probably okay
0: <laughs> Linda, and one last number here and this is it's a slight detour but it, the last number is a date it is september 1st 1914 and september 1st the first
1: pigeon was invented by <laughs> john r pigeon <laughs>
0: Like Thomas Edison invents it and brutally patents it, like crushes anyone who tries to <laughs> generate new pigeons. <laughs> Huge stamps on them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, September 1st, 1914 is the date of the death of the last North American passenger pigeon. Aww. And yeah. and I kind of I, I want to focus on like quote unquote regular pigeons this show because it turns out there's just that much stuff about them. But I don't know passenger pigeons are amazing too and uh, and there used to be hundreds of millions of them in North America. Yeah uh, A bird named Martha died on that date at the Cincinnati Zoo and was well known to be the last one.
1: Yeah, it's sad they used to they used to be a major species of North America. There were so many they used to black out the sky with yeah. how huge a flock. Uh, would congregate in the air and and people would see just these massive flocks and because they were so numerous people just kind of considered them pests or free meat they were hunted and there was no real thoughts to conservation of either the birds themselves or their habitat because they would live in these uh forest areas uh with these nut nut trees one of the most popular species for de-extinction—that is, trying to revive the species through cloning or gene editing—is the passenger pigeon because of how they are did such a they, they did so much to help with the environment in North America. So they would oh, wow. kind of manage these forests. The problem with The de-extinction of the passenger pigeon is that these forests that they used to live in no longer really exist in North America because of so much development of the land. But the idea is if we kind of try to bring back some of this natural habitat and bring back the passenger pigeon, we may be able to bring back some of the original ecology of North America, which is interesting. It's a it's a complicated, controversial issue. But yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know we're so interested in bringing them back. Because, cause yeah, and apparently it was very man-made destruction of them, just hunting and deforestation. Uh, I guess it would be nice if there was a man-made yes. uh, bounce back of some kind. Some kind of Jurassic Parking. I, I don't know the, the details.
1: Well, but. just, <laughs> it, it's, it's they're one of the more popular species for the extinction because... Of the relatively recent extinction, but what would be the repercussions of that? And uh, with some people thinking, well, this would be a good thing for the environment as long as we pair it with forest restoration. And some people worry that, well, but you know, what if the ecology of the regions have changed too much and reintroducing the species would not uh, be yeah. um, would not be advisable? So yeah, so there's like it's it's a really interesting topic though,
0: and, and it's amazing to me that. Those were so numerous and are gone. And then now we have these regular pigeons that almost feel automatic. It's like, oh right. yeah, and another another pigeon. Of course, I'm in a, I'm on a city block, so that's how it works.
1: Right? Yeah, because they were able to adapt to urban environments really well. And that's we we get a lot of a lot of the species we kind of take for granted. Of like, yeah, they're the they're the rats of the sky. These pigeons. It's like, well. We built these cities and they've learned to adapt to it and they are so good at adapting to an urban environment. Of course they're going to be everywhere and of course they're going to be in our trash, but you know, we kind of look down upon them for being dirty and in our trash, but really that's them like triumphing over human uh, intervention.
0: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, and 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 they're also like making room for us and we're like bunch of jerks. They're like right. no. It's cool. They're coexisting.
1: Like rats and pigeons, you know, we, uh, they are just taking advantage of us terraforming the earth to our human desires, and I, I can't blame them for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good for them, and everything's, yeah. everything's good. They're great. Yeah. They deserve their own podcast episode.
1: Ha. <laughs> squeak, 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 <laughs> coo, coo, coo. <laughs> it's called Squeakers and the Beak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's their their drive time radio show. A couple of it, just mm-hmm,
1: <laughs> squeakers and the beak. AM in the morning Sundays. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like that squeakers, but the beak is too edgy for me. I don't know. They gotta they gotta <laughs> produce that show differently.
1: <laughs> and it's it's simply rat and natural pigeon noises and like chewing. <laughs> It's like, man, Squeaker's getting political on us.
0: <laughs> well, uh, those are those are the stats and numbers, and I, I'll just go ahead and say this is a pretty ambitious episode because we have potentially four takeaways. Haven't done that. What? Before. I know the pigeons are that exciting. That's why there's no more passenger pigeon stuff on the show. You
1: wouldn't dare.
0: <laughs> and from there, we can go into takeaway number one. Pigeons and doves are pretty much the same thing. Yep. I had no idea until researching this. It it turns out they're just branded very differently. Uh, And there are different (laughs) subspecies, but that's pretty much it. It's just like marketing for each bird is different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Doves are basically like, uh, I mean, there are dove species and there are pigeon species, but they're, uh, you know, Tex, taxologically, just like very, basically the same family.
0: Yeah, it turns out, uh, and Mental Floss interviewed Paul Sweet, who is the collection manager for the Department of Ornithology at the American Museum of Natural History, and he said both dove and pigeon refer to the 308 species of birds in the family Columbidae. And there is no yeah. like difference beyond that in the scientific nomenclature until you get down to nitty-gritty different species. Yeah. And he said that like something that's called a dove might be smaller than a pigeon or more white, but it's not always the case. Common pigeons have been called both rock doves and rock pigeons. It's it's all just uh, mm-hmm. uh, differences in words. He says the word dove came into the English language from Nordic languages, and the word pigeon came from French languages. You know, it's, it's all just kind of style like we we see a white bird that we think is angelic and we say that's a dove uh hey catholic kids that's the holy spirit you know and then the pigeon is just (laughs) on the city block it's that's all it is
1: yeah you can breed and you can breed pigeons to be white uh and then they look almost indistinguishable from like a white dove like because they're basically the same animal i can stop Uh, painting them uh uh,
0: really messily that's good (laughs) saves me a lot of time
1: God, just painting the pigeons just painting the pigeons making them pretty yeah there was a. I think there was an art exhibit that where so, uh, and I can't necessarily approve of it but someone like set up a pigeon painting an autonomous pigeon painting station where pigeons would like go through the, like they'd be lured in with the promise of crackers or something and then they'd like go through this like pigeon spraying thing that would spray them with like non-toxic pigeon dye Amazing. and so there were these like rainbow colored pigeons and it was supposed like according to the artist it was supposed to get people to appreciate the beauty of pigeons but i don't feel like the pigeons would appreciate it. <laughs> just like ooh a cool snack ah what's g- oh god i'm blue now i don't want to be blue so, I don't know about I don't know about this art. Definitely, also when people like glue hats onto pigeons, that's horrible. That is really bad for them. Just oh yeah. In general, don't put don't put a thing on a pigeon. You know what I mean? Leave yeah. them alone. Let them be naked and free.
0: Well, I am and I'm guessing you found out about that art installation through the internet, and then I know yeah. about hats on pigeons through the internet. There's also in apparently in March of 2021. There was a tweet that went viral about a so-called hot pigeon which is just a breed that's called the pink-necked green pigeon it's just a pretty colorful pigeon like the the internet Mm -hmm. should maybe ease up on decorating pigeons they already look cool just appreciate (laughs) them it's fine (laughs) like we'll have a picture linked of the pink-necked green pigeon it's what you think. It's it's yeah. what I just described, that, and it looks that's cool. A,
1: that's an actual species of pigeon, though, right? A naturally occurring species, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are beautiful. Yeah, it's isn't that? It's from Southeast Asia, right? The 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 green pigeon.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. It, yeah, this says I just pulled up the source again. It's confined to parts of Thailand and Vietnam, and it's also native to other countries around there. It's a Southeast Asian pretty pigeon. That's all it is.
1: Yeah, it's they're beautiful, and but that's their like natural. They look like Sh- sherbert, <laughs> uh, sherbert <laughs> colors, and uh, but that's like their naturally occurring uh, colors. Yeah, beautiful plumage.
0: <laughs> and I and it's, it's a Monty it's Python
1: also... joke because <laughs> we're in high school, and I I've, and remember in high school, and all you would do all day is like do Monty Python bits and like like yeah. the the. dead bird bit and it's like beautiful plumage (laughs) anyways i'm sorry i apologize no i
0: that that brought me straight back to for some reason math class i i I, there's something about being in like (laughs) honors math in high school means you love monty (laughs) python it's some kind of connection and it's probably just an american thing it's probably more general in britain but
1: yeah i don't know because that's exactly right I think it was a thing of like in high school, you find this like weird, wacky British comedy. You're like, I'm really unique for liking Monty Python. I'm very smart because it's British. Uh, (laughs) And so, you know, all of the quote unquote smart nerdy kids, myself included, would be like, oh, we're going to quote Monty Python for that is the pinnacle of comedy. Did you see the (laughs) did you see this the comedy skit in which a shop owner tries to sell a dead bird it's funny
0: (laughs) and then other kids are like Seinfeld was really good and it's like with American accents those Neanderthals get out of here Seinfeld
1: is the peasants video program
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah and these uh and, and these like hot pigeons too I feel like they're a good example of How we kind of only have two conceptions of pigeons, either the gray pigeon kind and the white dove kind. And so then the Internet lost its mind when there was a third kind, even though there are hundreds of kinds. Yeah. And they're all the same thing. So many. Yeah. So
1: many flavors of pigeon.
0: (laughs) Off of that, we are going to a short break, followed by a whole new takeaway. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, from here we can get into takeaway number two of Potential for Takeaway number two. Wild city pigeons are the descendants of domesticated pigeons, which are the descendants of wild rock pigeons. Huh. And that might be a little bit confusing. But so when we have like... City pigeons running around that are wild, they're descended from domesticated pigeons that people owned, and those are the descendants of wild pigeons that lived on the land. That's the progression.
1: That's so interesting, because I yeah. think I knew that they are were related to rock pigeons, but I didn't know there was that intermediary, we owned them for a while until they turned against us and freed themselves and now own us. <laughs> That's right.
0: The last step is they are the president, and, uh, and and oh, it's <laughs> through the Twitter president. account. It's all coming together. Oh no, Katie <laughs> is an agent of the pigeons.
1: It's happening. <laughs> Just accept it.
0: <laughs> yeah, too late. Sounds great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this progression. The so the start of it is wild pigeons. And, and Katie was talking before and, and was dead on about pigeons adapted themselves to our towers and other city buildings. It's because the original wild pigeons li- especially like to live in cliffs and other like high nesting sites like that. In cities, they just substitute eaves and ledges and other stuff that's like that. So they like high places and they eventually just did that in cities. But the, the first wild pigeons were wild rock pigeons. They just found cool rocky areas and did that
1: yeah and if you look at a rock pigeon looks very much exactly like a city pigeon, so or they can also be called rock doves, like we said earlier, and it's the same they just like, oh, yeah, that's like isn't that just like a city pigeon? yeah, at one point, though they were kept as pets,
0: yeah, and then it turns out there are like thousands of years of domestication of pigeons as as pets and as livestock, uh, according to Encyclopedia oh, Britannica. Yeah. There's art as old as 4,500 BC from ancient Mesopotamia, depicting domestic pigeons in mosaics and figurines and coins. So so going back like 6,500 years at least, people have been domesticating pigeons, you know, kind of like chickens or turkeys or something like that. And the Cornell Lab of Ornithology says, quote, the birds have such a long history with humans, It's impossible to tell where the species original range was, end quote.
1: So they kind of co-evolved with us. Yeah. Similar to similar to the way like dogs co-evolved with us, where it's just like such a long history of them being in and among humans uh, that it's like hard to know where exactly it started.
0: Yeah, that's right. Like we, we're pretty sure they did something before us, and then now they, now they're <laughs> <our> buddies, <laughs> right? And uh, and also, there's a, a journalist named Nathaniel Johnson who wrote a book called "Unseen City" about urban wildlife, and he said that this first domestication was in the Middle East, and then it spread to Europe thanks to the Romans, and it was also primarily an aristocratic thing. Like if a, a traditional Roman villa in Tuscany in Italy would have a building that was both a lookout tower and a pigeon house. Mm -hmm. Like, it's high up for both of those purposes.
1: I guess I did know about, like, keeping pigeons as pets, because, first of all, I learned it from Hey Arnold, the cartoon, uh, where there's the... Remember in Hey Arnold, there was a character like Pigeon Man who had a bunch of pigeons, and then he would have them help him fly. He had, like, a special suit... This was a children's cartoon, so this isn't real. Don't, <laughs> don't try it. But yeah, and and so like I've seen I've seen that a lot in like you know people keeping um, just like a little pigeon thing is like, but typically it's it'd be like in New York or something uh, where it's like they have like on the roof of their building they have like a little uh, pigeon coop and just like let their pigeons fly around and then they'll return to the coop.
0: It is a thing into the modern day that people have like a loft or a coop or something for pigeons on purpose. And in in Hey Arnold, it's kind of a sad, weird guy, but it's also, uh, you know, (laughs) other people. Uh, And Mm -hmm. that was a dark cartoon. It was really, really hard to see Pigeon Man like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because he was like covered in bird dookie too. It is weird. I don't know.
0: Linda and uh, and then the pigeons were both eaten as poultry and also kept as pets uh, and especially as pets by aristocratic people. Mm -hmm. And then the progression from there is around the 1600s, and this is according to the New York Public Library, around the 1600s, Europeans then brought pigeons into the U.S. and also what was British Canada to raise them as food or as a hobby. Uh, They were also given as gifts when governors and dignitaries met each other. Uh, so there was a lot of transmission of pigeons, uh, you know, across the Atlantic transmission Ocean of, that way. Sounds
1: like a disease a country catches, like transmission <laughs> of pigeons. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean it. Pigeons are great, but yeah. So that, but that's interesting. So the pigeons we have in North America, like in our cities, are not are, are introduced. They're a and um, quote unquote invasive species, right?
0: Yeah, apparently they're domesticated rock pigeons from the, the quote unquote old world, especially Europe that were then brought to North America by colonists.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: And then from there, the people who owned domesticated pigeons in North America, some of them escaped or got away or were just let go. And then those rewilded and became feral and became the the city pigeon population we have now.
1: Yeah. That's actually um, how we got starlings, too. Someone came here with some pet starlings, and they escaped, and now they're an invasive species.
0: That's really cool.
1: And honeybees are not indigenous to North America, but we do have wild bees. I wouldn't say that the honeybees are... I don't think that they're destroying the native bees, but I think there's a lot of... Like when honeybee populations start to struggle, there's like a lot of concern about the honeybees. But then like mm-hmm. native bee populations sometimes uh, have struggles and like there's just not as much like media concern about like disappearance of native bee wow. populations, which I think is a shame because like they're very important to our environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I remember learning a lot about bees uh, from you with the murder hornets uh, yeah. on your show Creature Feature. Which is great, and, and I want to plug all the time. Uh, but Because, yeah, it turns out there are all these different insect species, different places, and as people, we super don't think about which one belongs where. They're so small, right? you know? They're all bees. Yeah. Surely they're the and same. I-, I said, like, a dumb American. <laughs> well, and, uh, and so these these rewilded, now city pigeons, apparently they're an especially tough and successful form of pigeon. They're also very good at living where no other bird wants to live in a city. And so they spread worldwide, like they they became the city pigeons everywhere (laughs) except Antarctica. And then also that process, according to Nathaniel Johnson, meant that pigeon domestication kind of fell off because before Mm. that it was mostly fancy people, mostly doing something like stylish and fancy. And then once pigeons are everywhere underfoot, you're like, oh, well, that's not cool anymore. Like I don't have a pet rat either. Forget it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think people are surprised when people keep uh, pigeons as pets, because a lot of people see city pigeons as kind of like vermin, like, oh, why would you? I mean, it's the same kind of surprise of people maybe keeping rats as pets, which people do. Apparently, they yeah, yeah, and apparently they're they're good pets, if you know how to take care of them. Um, They're very intelligent. Um, And I imagine pigeons are similar, like they're They're probably pretty intelligent, Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's, it is interesting, and then, like, I remember back before I knew too many bird facts, I was so surprised to find, um, I think this was when I was in uh, Boston, and there were pigeons that were, like, different colors from what you would expect, so, like, brown and, and brown and white pigeons or, cool. or like with spots like a dog and I was like oh what like what is this and that's sort of a um, sign of domestication is there these like splotchy colorations of these these pigeons.
0: Oh that would make sense because they they keep breeding them the same way or keep going for a particular thing.
1: Yeah I know with and I'm not sure if it works the same thing with birds because birds are you know very different from mammals but I know with with dogs and pigs and cats and cows, et cetera. Like when you domesticate an animal because of the way that their, their, um, early development in terms of like their, their neural crest cells developing in utero, uh, actually are also related to things like their pigment coloration, even things like ear cartilage. Wow. So like when you domesticated, uh, a dog or a fox or a cow or a pig, you'll get things like floppy ears and uh, a spotty uh, patches on their skin, um, like um, y- a dog with spots. Whoa. There's an experiment in Russia where they would domesticate these foxes and their ears would flop down and they would get like these patches of coloration on their skin. And I don't really know i because birds are they're they're dinosaurs they're not mammals (laughs) so presumably their fetal development is really different from like a from a any kind of mammal but i do wonder if whether it was intentional like breeding for different colorations or if some of it was just unintentional like when you breed them for you domesticate them for being more gentle or something, or more, less afraid of humans, if that just naturally pops up.
0: This Sadly, this is a good time to get into takeaway number three for the show. Takeaway number three. <laughs> pigeons are not mammals, but yeah. <laughs> all genders of pigeon can generate a secret throat version of milk. Yes. And this is called crop milk. One more time, that's pigeons are not mammals, but all of them can generate a secret version of milk in their throat that's called crop milk.
1: It's kind (laughs) of (laughs) gross.
0: Yeah, and I want to do some gross pigeon stuff. Like, I feel like, but I, I feel like the rap of pigeons is they're very blandly gross. Right. Like they're not they're not disgusting. They're just kind of dirty on the ground there. Yeah. I want to get into ways they're amazing and like the real gross thing. You know, let's really do it. The
1: body horror stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one one source for this, uh, one of them is the book The Urban Bestiary by Lyanda Lynn But another is a show from Audubon. It's called Bird Note. And they did an amazing episode about this. The crop is a section of uh, pigeon's anatomy it's part of the lower esophagus of pigeons and some other birds uh, so it's inside their throat down in the esophagus and after a few weeks of being alive a baby pigeon can start to eat mashed up seeds but before that they need crop milk it is not mammal milk but it is a thick soupy mixture that is produced <laughs> inside the crop of the pigeon I'm
1: sorry but like just calling it thick soupy mixture.
0: Like, uh huh. Sounds very gave appetizing. Gave me a wave
1: of nausea.
0: Oh really? Oh yeah. <laughs> this is the test Sorry, to continue. see whether you're a pigeon. If you were a pigeon, you'd be like, "Sounds great, really good."
1: Yum! I'd start drooling. <laughs> Sorry, continue.
0: Yeah, and so this there's this thick soupy mixture being generated by a thing inside of the throat of an adult pigeon and then what happens is the baby sticks their head all the way into the adult's throat to slurp out the crop milk from like <laughs> yeah. inside of their throat it's amazing it's really cool uh, so weird
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting yeah bird digestion is is very interesting a lot of birds have the crop where they uh, do kind of like it's sort of like with you know how, like, cows have different stomachs for digestion? Yeah. Uh, birds, yeah, they have the crop where they do pre digestion or post digestion kind of like weirdness. One bird, I think, called the Watson, uh, not like the famous Sherlock Holmes character, but like uh, with some like an H and a Z in it. And it um, is one of the uh, like oldest species of birds in the world. And it, like, I think it's one of the only. Species that like does like a type of like um uh fermentation in their crop, and so they Whoa. smell really bad, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because cool. like it's Google. they're basically like fermenting stuff in their crop, uh, and like vegetation, I think. And so, okay, beer basically it's, it's, great, really good, right? Yeah, bird beer, <laughs> uh, but it's real stinky, um. <laughs> And so it's really interesting, because that's like a very, very ancient species of bird, very early b- bird, bird 1.0. So it seems like bird like bird 10x, uh, the, the pigeon, has <laughs> potentially refined some of the processes with uh, with um, right. processing things in the crop.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a 10x bird. It could do 10 times the engineering and coding of a regular bird. <laughs> Silicon so, so kind of Valley. I don't know. Uh. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not not necessarily suggesting that the Watson is like an ancestor uh, of sure, sure. Mo- like modern birds. It's just like an early. It's sort of like how the platypus mm. and other monotremes are like super early versions of like mammals, or it's like mammals 1.0 yeah. with a bunch of like weird bugs, like the legs and
0: stuff. <laughs> Or even like sharks are so old. I feel like every like sharks were yeah. designed when it was like all an animal can do is be angry and eat all of the time. Yeah, and then later we came up with other kinds of animals that don't have to do it's that. Like,
1: see teeth and cannot stop moving. Yeah, so good.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Only some sharks are obligate ram ventilators. I apologize. <laughs>
0: I love that you know enough to qualify it like that. That's just amazing. <laughs> uh, really good.
1: <laughs> I'm just being uh, as insufferable as I can on your podcast. It's, it's the best. Like, oh, have you ever heard of the comedy troupe uh, oh. Monty Python?
0: <laughs> Man, a, a parrot episode. will will come right back. Same thing. It's going to be great. <laughs> Like Speaking of the evolution, in Nathaniel Johnson, in his book, he talks about the basic idea that this is not mammal milk. It is a different thing, but it evolved to be a similar thing, just on a completely different path. So these birds, and including the Watson with the weird fermented one, they just figured out like what milk is supposed to do, and it has a bunch of antioxidants and antibodies and stuff, but it's not the mammal way. It's just this other branch of life.
1: Yeah, it's a convergent evolution.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's the name. Yeah, it's great.
1: Bird brand milk. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and then the, and the other amazing thing to me about it is that and this is Leanna Lynn book. She says that a couple days before a pigeon's eggs hatch, both parents start making this substance because they both have crops and it evolved differently from mammals. Uh, and so, I, like, I have not been able to find anything about other genders of pigeon, but male and female pigeons. Can both generate this? They they can just do it.
1: That's great. I th- I love yeah. some uh, gender equity in uh, birds. Uh, yeah, there there That's are cool. there are so many examples of how with birds like parental care is often very, if not very equal. They at least both put a lot of effort into it in different ways, and it's it's really cool. That's nice. It's always interesting to look at young young rearing in other animals and how it's like this idea that like well the mommy takes care of the babies is like such a like when you look at all of nature uh it's just like not that's not not necessarily true <laughs> always like it's yeah like uh i mean it makes sense too right like if you create babies you do want those babies to survive and pass on your genes um is it Typically, good strategy for evolution. So, right. yeah, for a lot of a lot of birds have a uh, very uh, equitable parental care. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, that's it's like it's just cool that everybody's patronet. I love it. <laughs> we should
1: have pa- we we should have more paternity leave, so that men can go and vomit up milk onto their babies,
0: <laughs> and so they don't have to like pump their crop in the work bathroom and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh man, God, it'd be so. Society would be so different if men had to like go through the same things that women had to go through. Like, I yes. feel like a pigeon, a super intelligent pigeon society would probably have a lot of issues of sexism solved just because of that crop milk.
0: It feels like it. Yeah. It makes sense yeah. to me.
1: Okay. So, gross question, uh, Alex Has any human ever tried crop milk before?
0: Oh. Great question. I have no idea. I don't think so. <laughs> it seems hard. It seems Why hard to w- get, you know?
1: Why would you? J- okay, I'm going to Google it, though. Has That's worth anyone, it. Has
0: <laughs> anyone
1: ever tried to drink pigeon crop milk? Safe search on. Uh, Gizmodo claims someday soon you could be drinking pigeon milk. No, thank you, Gizmodo. Shut up.
0: Hmm sounds like sounds clicky i don't like yeah
1: it. i don't like it uh okay no this, this is stu- clickbait clickbait cuz
0: um it just seems so hard to get you know it's it's like like it's a big organ if you're a baby pigeon but it's a very small organ of substance for the rest i don't know if it's that
1: hard to get you take a pigeon you take a lactating pigeon i know it's not called lactation but you take a pigeon <laughs> you sh- you turn it upside down and you like you know squeeze it like a Thing of ketchup. I'm kidding. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, you tap the 57 on the pigeon. It.
1: <laughs> you just like kind of you you tap its uh, tap its rump for the uh, crop milk to come out. <laughs> right. Well, if anyone's ever tried to drink crop milk, why don't you write into Alex and give him a full yeah, rundown on. of the flavor?
0: <laughs> po- pot at gmail.com Really want to know.
1: Uh, uh. I'm making myself feel nauseous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what well, I to. To move you past your nausea, Katie, this is a very exciting, momentous thing, because we're about to go into takeaway number four. Takeaway number four. We are still figuring out how homing pigeons do it. It's amazing how pigeons can home and return to a location. We're still figuring out how they do it.
1: Mystery. It's
0: thrilling. And there's a bunch of sources for this. One of them is a book by BBC journalist Gordon Carrera about um, pigeons in World War II, actually. Right. But he says that a pigeon can start to learn to home when it's six weeks old. You establish a location as a safe place to sleep and to eat. And then whenever you bring them a new place, they'll come back. They just know how to find it again.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So it's really cool. Lots of people have trained pigeons to do this, and then pigeons have been recorded to fly hundreds of miles to get back to their place. It's a, it's an amazing ability they have, and it's also an ancient practice that we'll talk more about in the bonus. That you, people can train pigeons to go places and come back to places.
1: Right. Yeah. So what you do, like for a carrier pigeon or a, a homing pigeon, is like you. You take the pigeon like in, I don't know, carrying thing with you. And then if you have to write a message back to where it came from, you write the little note, you attach it to a little canister on that attaches to the pigeon and you release it and then it flies home. It doesn't know. They don't really know like how to go like, okay, Agent Pigeon, like you have to go to the Battle of the Bulge and like go to the front and, you know, like the the pigeon doesn't. (laughs) They just are trying to get home. So, like, you, you take the pigeon away from where it's been trained as its home, tie the message to it, and when you release it, it will go home. And so if you train the pigeon, then its home is, like, you know, uh, war headquarters. I, I don't know military terms. <laughs> but, like, you know.
0: Neither does the pigeon. It doesn't need to. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It'll just automatically go back. Uh, is that is that about about right from what you've researched? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it i am yeah i I wish you could send them specific places like just like pigeon find hitler and then it just goes you know (laughs) but but they don't do that yeah
1: that's charlie chaplin you imbecile
0: (laughs) just pecking chaplin like caught hitler did it (laughs) Uh. um but and they and this is this is truly an amazing ability. Again, they can go hundreds of miles back to their home from from basically anywhere, and we don't really know how they do it. We just have like clues. One of them is Smithsonian says that pigeons are best at homing during the day, so maybe the sun is useful one way or another, mm-hmm. or light is useful. Um, also, we know pigeons have excellent vision; they are ve- and they're very good at distinguishing things visually. Uh, National Wildlife Foundation says they're one of many birds that can see ultraviolet light in addition to the rest of the spectrum. Mm. And there have also been a bunch of studies where pigeons recognize things really well. There was one in 2015 where a team at UC Davis trained eight pigeons to do what human medical pathologists do, which is they looked at at tissue samples and x-rays of human breast tissue and they could tell which ones had cancer in them very effectively. Oh, wow. Which is a bonkers skill.
1: Dr. Pigeon. Yeah. (laughs) MMD. Yeah, that's great. I I would love to have a pigeon as a doctor, just like the door creaks open, you look down and it's a little pigeon in a lab coat, (laughs) gets up, he's like, you know, coo for me, could you coo for me? Looking in your mouth. Yeah. No, I love that.
0: (laughs) Coo it to me straight, Doc, when you're waiting for something. (laughs) Bad. (laughs) It's cuckoo. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) How are my test results, Doc? Cool. Well, that's a relief.
0: (laughs) You're okay? No, he made funny noises. I just figure that's good. You know, it would have been bad noises. I don't know. Did a wacky bird noise.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, I would definitely watch Dr. Pigeon the show.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, good feathers type stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like Grey's Anatomy, but it's like Who's Anatomy. Just It's perfect. I would love that.
0: <laughs> the romantic lead is that pink-necked green pigeon that the internet thinks is hot. <laughs> like, well, we cast him off the tweet. I mean, come on.
1: Dr. Pigeon, we have someone coming in with rare, rare disease we've never seen before, and they're pregnant. Coo! <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> drop the cracker <laughs> we should we'll just write this doctor show later it's really fun watching, uh, yeah
1: pat, patent pending patent pending uh yeah, shemini and golden productions patent pending yeah.
0: writer's guild uh, thingy whatever that is that that marks it you mail it to them i think <laughs> i don't understand uh, yeah
1: it's our it's our ip now don't don't nobody touch it <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> when another another thing we do know about pigeons is that they have large brains as birds go Wow. Uh, Leander Hop says that ornithologists at Uppsala University in Sweden, Uppsala? I'm sorry, Sweden. Uh, <laughs> they did studies indicating that most urban birds have large brains compared to their body size, including pigeons.
1: Smart birds. And that
0: doesn't necessarily mean intelligence, but it could mean intelligence.
1: Yeah, and like brain size doesn't necessarily mean one animal is more intelligent than the other, but often, not always, but often, ratio of brain size to body mass does indicate uh, more intelligent species of animals. It's it's not like, it, it's not the a uh, rule. Um, it's just kind of like generally speaking. Yeah, cool. It kind of makes sense to me that like an urban adapter pigeon would need some level of intelligence to be able to figure out their environment and, you know, get into stuff like how do you pick the lock on a dumpster? Yeah, to be able to adapt to a city environment, you you gotta you gotta have some smarts.
0: Yeah, we sort of have the indication from them getting through city life that there's, if not true intelligence in a a broad way, at least some kind of skill that they have that maybe matches up with the big, uh, big old noggins.
1: You don't think that they do bird math?
0: Oh, they could. I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> now we have a bird teacher show, right? It's like a rowdy group of high schoolers, and one bird teacher has to fix it anyway. A lot of ideas here. Stand and deliver is I'm the. I'm never
1: gonna get into college bird teacher. Oh, you're right. I should try harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, the bird has a little leather jacket, like, uh, <laughs> different from other teachers.
1: Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs>
0: <Wow>. <laughs> so many good movies. Um, well, the The last thing is, like, a few other theories that are not confirmed, but, like, maybe they're helpful for pigeons homing. And one of them is that pigeons might be able to, like, read the ground below them. Hmm. And use that as landmarks for figuring out where they're going.
1: Oh, that's interesting. But they would, in order to do that, they would need to have visibility of the ground as they're leaving their home, right? Um, I think so. In order to yeah. do, to remember that, right?
0: And and this is theoretical. It's a uh, BBC News reported on a ten year Oxford University study. They reported it in two thousand four. The study said that they attached a bunch of trackers to pigeons and then tracked them homing. And it's said that some pigeons followed motorway junctions or went towards specific landmarks to remember where they are based on the data. Oh,
1: that's interesting.
0: And team member Dr. Tim Guilford said the pigeons often made diversions to follow roads home even when there were more straightforward routes. Because they're just mm-hmm. flying. They can go any way they want. But right. they seem to use the ground as kind of a, a guidance to get back if they could.
1: They don't need, they don't need to obey any traffic laws because it's sky laws. And there's another movie. You want the (laughs) truth? You can't handle the coup. (laughs) Uh, That is interesting. I wonder if they use more than one technique. So maybe they use for like really long distances, maybe they use the position of like the sun, Mm. like as they get closer, like they can use landmarks to uh, kind of specifically triangulate where where their home is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of used more than one method to figure it out.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, too. Because, the, yeah, the the other theories that could also nest with it, one is that pigeons might have a geomagnetic compass yeah. and, like, an ability to detect the magnetic field of the Earth to help. <laughs> and, uh, and then the last one is that pigeons might be able to hear infrasound. And mm. infrasound is an incredibly low frequency of sound. There's an amazing story about it by Robert Krulwich of Radiolab fame, but he wrote it for National Geographic, and he talks about experiments finding that pigeons can hear tones that are 11 octaves below middle C, so far below human wow. range. And So
1: dubstep must just make them go crazy.
0: Oh, <laughs> they must be so mad about it or love it. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> Has anyone tried dubstep on pigeon experiments? <laughs>
0: Yeah, because one of the main stories that has led people to think this is that apparently there was a pigeon race in 1997. The race was from France across the English Channel to England. But they got like thousands of racing pigeons together to do this. And then almost all of them didn't make it. Hmm. And so people were just waiting in England wondering what happened to their homing pigeon. And the theory is that When the race was happening here in 1997 across the channel, there was also a flight by the Concorde. I don't know if people remember that. It was like an experimental superplane to go very quickly between Mm. France and England. But they think that might have messed up the infrasound and messed up all the pigeon routes because they depend on it.
1: That's interesting. What happened? Like, did they ever find the pigeons?
0: They found one after five years. Because somebody in what? France, like, found it kind of lost and confused, and then took care of it. And then after, and then like when it got out, it went home. Basically,
1: did it like tell stories of like, like being beamed up into the sky and like weird like <laughs> like gray gray uh, bird aliens right. doing weird experiments on them? Because I don't know, it sounds a little bit like an abduction.
0: This is a good segue into my pigeon Scientology cult, folks. Uh, if you are looking for an organization to join. Uh, a pigeon wrote a great book about his experiences. And, uh,
1: <laughs> L. Ron Bird.
0: <laughs> Tom Coos.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I've like, I've racked my brain for any like pigeon puns, and all I can do is like anything that sounds vaguely like coo. Cooing stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's the it's only a, joke I It's a funny I have. noise. I mean, it is a funny noise. What,
0: what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Katie Golden for flying into action for a topic that only she could do justice to. Anyway, I so said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff Available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com, patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is the surprisingly important pigeons of the First World War. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than three dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring pigeons with us. Here is one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, pigeons and doves are pretty much the same thing. Different branding. Takeaway number two, wild city pigeons are the descendants of domesticated pigeons, which are the descendants of wild rock pigeons. Takeaway number three, pigeons are not mammals, and all genders of pigeon can generate a secret throat version of milk. And for the first time ever, takeaway number four, we are still figuring out how homing pigeons do that. Those are all four takeaways. Also, please follow my guest. She's great. Katie Golden tweets us at ProBirdWrites. She hosts the Creature Feature podcast weekly on iHeartRadio. I'm keeping that short because I'm sure many of you have already checked those things out. Also, please, please, please make a point of checking them out if you have not yet. Katie is one of the core people and guests and friends who have made this entire podcast possible. So I I really, really am grateful to her, and I hope you proceed to check out her show after digging this one. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. I used a bunch of great resources from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, also a great show from the Audubon Society, which is a podcast and article series called Bird Note, in particular an episode they did called Pigeon Milk is a Nutritious Treat for Chicks. Also used a great book titled The Urban Bestiary by naturalist Leanda Lynn Haupt, and tons and tons of other articles and sources this week, especially from National Geographic. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken, Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I am thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.